0: I'll drink to that, where we get behind the scenes of the beverage business. I'm Levy Dalton. I'm Erin Scala. And here's our show today. Daniel Brunier of View Telegraph in Chateauneuf-du-Pape and the Southern Rhone. Hello, sir. How are you? Good. I'm fear for receiving me. Very nice to have you here. So you got started with your dad Henri in about 81 at the winery. That's right.
1: 81 was a uh, right year. And 2 years early, yeah, uh, my my brother started. So we can say we have started
0: all together. Because your dad made a new winery in 79.
1: Yeah, my dad uh, built a new winery in 79. I, it was it was useful for the, for the domain, but it was like a kind of present for his two sons arriving in,
0: uh, in the job. And there was a big bottling of your own label in 78. That was kind of the first big year.
1: Yeah. In fact, it was not a big, big bottling. It was a kind of vintage who arrived like a bomb in our life, like a boom. It was, it was the vintage of the 70s. Of the eighties, it's uh, we can say it's a vintage. We it's the vintage since the last f- thirty years. You have seventy-eight, you have ninety-eight, you have ten, maybe or seven. That's the four biggest vintage we we did in in my professional life. So seventy-eight was the first to be introduced in the U.S.
0: And before that, your dad had often sold to Negocia.
1: Yeah, a lot, a lot. In fact, the first vintages we made as a Vieux Telegraph wine was somewhere around 1910, 1915. And then during some years, the wine was sold to restaurants, to shops. And then before the war, before the Second World War, things have changed a lot. The two brothers, my grandfather and his brother, fight a lot. And it was the beginning of a hard period in the family. And my father was smart enough to rebuild everything and and rebuild the View Telegraph. So he started again after the war and somewhere before 1950, he was uh, like 20 years old and he rebuilt the vineyard, but he spent his life to rebuild the vineyard and forgot the bottling, forgot the marketing. So he built a vineyard, made wines, and then sold the wine in Buck to negotiation. That was the easiest way to make money, short money, I mean short, short... Uh,
0: turn around, you get turn it quickly. Around,
1: and then built his things, built the vineyard. And then he did this until 1970. So during a, a big part of his life. And then around 1970, he restart to make, to bottle the wines. Just because we, uh, we were around, we were talking about uh, working with him, etc. Et and then in 1978, that was really the first vintage to promote, to market, really outside of France.
0: So he really started the winery seriously because of you guys, instead of selling to the ghosts. He knew there was another generation. Exactly,
1: exactly. He just started another philosophy, another, another, let's say, another, another life for the company because of us. The vineyard was designated by my great, great, great grandfather Henri, eighteen ninety-one. He first bought land on La Croix where I live today. To begin uh to to buy. It was wood everywhere. Wood and, and and
0: olive trees. Oh, it wasn't a lot of vines back then.
1: No. Small very small part was vine.
0: Because now there's so many old vines there. I mean people talk oh, yeah. about 60, 100 year old
1: Oh yeah. But it was uh it was after him. And then he bought this land just to to give to his to his son, which was Hippolyte. And we say in the family Hippolyte began the business, but Really speaking, it's Henri who began the business, the generation before, just because he has the idea to buy the land. So we don't know, during years and years, we have no him in our history because he, he was not a winemaker, but he was at the beginning. That, that's something. So he bought the land, the first land, and then Hippolyte began to plant vines with his son, Jules, Yule, and Jules was my grandfather. So we began to, to grow in this uh, Lacroix place. So Jules built a house, built a winery in Lacroix, continued to buy the land with his father, and extended the vineyard until about 20 hectares around my home. And my father took over this uh, 20 hectares, the house of course, and then extended to 50 hectares around the house. That that was his life, to extend from wood, not in buying vines. That's another job. It means changing wood to vine. It's a long process.
0: Moving it from forest to vineyard. Yeah. So what was the history of the area? I mean, was it an area that had been cultivated to vine? The first vine
1: uh, arrived on Lacroix in the 14th century, 14th century. When the Pope arrived in Château de Pape, they were very uh, pushy in the in the wine demand. Of course, the white wine arrived at this time just because they had they needed white wine for the mass. Mass? Oh, for the mass, yeah, sure. And of course, they pushed the the the, 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 they asked for wine because they already know that the wine from Château de Pape has something different than the wine from other places around. So in Lacroix, we know that vines are planted since the 14th century, but in very, very small places, it was like coming from the center of the village, extending and planting some... some because Lacroix, as his name says, it's a very stony place. croix coming from rock. And crow coming from windy and difficult place to grow, dry place to grow uh it's very very stony, as you know, and it's very difficult to grow so uh La Croix was not the first place where people think uh, think about uh growing because it was horses doing the job at this time, so it was everything was by hand so uh, 70% of stones from 0 to 4 meters underground so it's 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 quite a big deal so to grow there
0: and the whole vineyard is about 200 hectare lucero the whole sp- yeah. the whole area yeah
1: yeah the whole area is about 200 <laughs> hectares so it's a huge plateau it's a huge plateau and it's like a kind of uh let's say big plateau at 128 uh, meters above the sea level and divided it by three different villages in terms of administration. Uh, we are in the Bedarid section, the southeast section. And uh, yeah, it's, it's it's I think, the biggest name place uh, in terms of size in Chateauneuf because it's the same terroir on Lacroix Place, on Lacroix Plateau. From the east to the west, from north to south, it's the same terroir. It's like uh, a single vineyard of 200 uh, hectares
0: so that terroir is glacial rounded stones yeah and then what's that on top of
1: so we have the stones that means uh when it's natural soil you see the stones but you see hers when it's cultivated you don't see hers at all because when you plow you move the stones. stones come up the hers come down and the Rain clean the, 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 the stones, and then you see only stones. And on today on the plateau, it's hundred percent cultivated. You see only stones on twenty centimeters. So it's really really stony. It's uh, it's like a small uh, small round breads, yellow and brown, big or smaller but on the surface, and then underneath. You have this kind of uh, one meter of hearse, cultivated hearse, where the roots can live and can find their food. About 80% of the the roots are in that layer. That means close to to, to get the rain, uh, easy to cross, it's not clay. But in that kind of layer, we have about 70% of stones. 70 70 70% of stone. It's huge. And then underground, we reach the clay, the big red and underground, the orange clay, with also in between 70% of stones. The water goes through the first layer and stays on the clay. That means we have from the, the soil about 2 meters underground. We have about one year of reserve of water.
0: Must be helpful in drought years. Oh, yeah. Like 81, that was your first, that was a drought year, right?
1: Like 81, like 99, like uh, 96, like 2006, like 2003. So we are in the south of France, don't forget it. And uh, And it's forbidden to irrigate. Of course, we do not
0: irrigate. We cannot call a terroir if it's irrigated or drained. In a way, it's the stones that made the area famous, but it may also be the water retention that made the area famous. Of course, of course. That's, That's kind of, interesting.
1: Yeah, and the wind. Without wind, no of
0: du pape The Mistral is very strong.
1: <sighs> Mistral is 200 days a year, and it makes the things. It makes things. Uh, when you taste uh, your télégraphe, uh, you taste the wind. I mean, the lightness, it's kind of hairy sinks, kind of... Uh, it's kind of, you go through the wine and you, you, you can see through the wine. It means the color is not dark. The color is not black. And I'm convinced uh, it's like if you, can, if you can taste the wind through the wines.
0: And practically, it probably means that there's less disease pressure. If you're getting a lot of strong wind, it probably means there's less rot pressure.
1: That's why I tell you without wind, uh, uh, there is no chateau du pape because it's hot the grapes, Grenache, it's so sensitive to humidity. Sometimes we receive 100 millimeters of water in two hours, which is a storm for, it's a tornado for some countries. For us, it's normal. It's Provence. It's very, very aggressive. You, you have this kind of sunshine, very hot. The wind, very hard. Rain is very fast and very wide and, and strong. And then... Two hours, not two days, two hours later, it's blue sky, dry hair, and because of the wind, because the mistral blows and then phew, clean everything in the region, and then everything disappears. That means you have, in two hours later, you have no sign of water on the street, no sign of water on everywhere, because it's so dry, it could be 20% of, of humidity in the air. Uh, when it blows, so it's like an, a, a vacuum cleaner. It 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 for for the water. It's incredible. So it change it changes the, the, dramatically the climate. It makes the climate.
0: So you're in the southeast of the Chateau Neuf de Pop appellation, mm. and you at this point because you purchased another estate, La Roquette. You mm. have parcels in other parts of mm. the Chateau Neuf de appellation. Mm. Some of which are kind of famous parcels like mm. Pignon and Columbi Columbus. Yeah, and Pilon. So. If I were to th- think of those things as different and try to understand how those vineyards are different, I know the major holding for you is La Croix, but mm. if you were to compare it to those other parcels, how do they differ in the mm. Chateauneuf zone?
1: When we bought La Roquette in 1986, we went to this uh, place and then let's, let's see what, what speaks, what, what the, how the soul speaks. And we did the same thing as we do at Vieux Telegraph. We do the same uh, winemaking process, no intervention, some non distilling process, uh, long maceration, long aging process, etc., etc. And uh, the result was so different than La Croix. We say, why not? So it helped us to make different wines. But we never, never obtain a result as we were expected. Always a bit frustrated. When you're born on Lacroix, and you get out of Lacroix, you are frustrated. I'm sorry, I have to tell you. Here you
0: are in New York, pissed. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, you are frustrated. Because it's like if you hit Toujaint Jean Georges every day. Uh, I mean, it's difficult to eat outside after. So it's
0: so you think lacroix was the prized place is, is that what that analogy uh means?
1: you know it's not you know i know about 10 domain in chateauneuf du Pap who created their top La lacroix right
0: i mean there's famous examples
1: yeah and famous examples so i don't want to say names on this microphone but you know i know about 10 minimum 10 uh, it's not because of nothing. It's because something happens on Lacroix. Uh, uh, it's, it's like this. It's, it's not myself. It's, it's really people realize that. So, today we found another name place which has a great personality called Pierron. It's another plateau, a bit higher than Lacroix, a bit two or three meters higher than Lacroix. It's 130 meters, it's the highest point in Chateauneuf-du-Pape, Point Clumineau. And we have this, we bought it here in 1986, 10 hectares of very old Grenache. We still have this This the same 10 hectares of old Grenache. And we make a wine called Pielon, with this, this specific, this single vineyard, uh, since 2011. So it's new for us, but... During years and years and years, we were frustrating by the result. Now we say, okay, let's try the result of 100% of another plateau, and we did it. By chance, we, of course, we have done a lot of experimentation before just to arrive to this decision, but today we have our telegram, which is the blend of different soil, which are maybe less, character, less, less personality. And then we have two single vineyards, Pielon and Lacroix. And we cannot get out of this. It's, it's, it's something which speaks too 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 loud. And uh, for us, it's, uh, it's what we like.
0: So how do you find the approachability when you drink Pielon and Lacroix as young wines?
1: They have the same kind of saltiness the same sapidity the same savory and the same lightness pilon is m- more accessible yang Lacroix is a bit more rustic and the good good side of the term a bit more rich i don't know why but it's a bit more rich a bit more rustic a bit more something so if like if you meet a woman and, and a man together, the same size, the same personality, the same beauty, but it's a woman and a, and a man. They are different.
0: Well, Here's a question for you. You have a lot of claret, and sometimes it's in white wines, and sometimes it's in red wines that you make. That's and right. you have other white grape varieties, and then you have a handful of, of red grape varieties, some of which you already mentioned, like Grenache, Chirard, Mouvet, Sinsault. If La Croix is, is the same terroir, if it's a uniform terroir, how do you decide which plant goes where?
1: Uh, we don't. I mean, uh, <clears throat> when we arrived with my brother, Frederic, we had already a great heritage of old vines. And among these old vines, on La just on top of La about kind of small hectare of... Claret which were 85 years old at this time. So now are uh, more than 100 years old.
0: You still have those? Oh, sure. That's awesome. Oh, sure. They I are. Mean, yeah, yeah. is there something else like that around? Yeah, I mean, yeah, that, that that's, doesn't that's, seem common.
1: That's, that's heritage. Uh, View Telegraph at the very beginning was 100% percent Claret. That's, that's really the origin of View Telegraph, white. So, uh, and we vinify, of course, we vinify uh, separately. And it's always a kind of example of freshness, of saltiness, of finesse, a bit too light sometimes. So we said, ah, why look for another terroir to plant white grapes? Why don't we just plant white if we need to have more white for the future on this Lacroix place and forget this kind of uh, things which are specialized on on white and specialized on red, so so now today we have unlike the red and the white all together, and the freshness, which is in a red, it's the same freshness which is in a white, but they are the same, in the same idea the same philosophy, but um, no, there is no we don't look for a special
0: place for white. Mm-hmm. Are they interplanted, the vines, or are they in blocks? Oh, well, I,
1: I was talking about the specific white to make white telegraph. But in the old vines, we have this percentage of white claret, which are interplanted since the real beginning. And I really, threw, I really think it's, uh, it was a mistake at the real beginning. It was a mistake uh, just because... I don't know, but I have this feeling. I cannot imagine they planted this clearhead among the Grenache just because they they had in mind to do something. They had no trouble of global warming at this time. Uh, They had no uh, trouble of things like that. It was much more rustic as an approach to the wine. So it was certainly a mistake. And then... In, in year after year it became something interesting which brings uh, this kind of finesse, kind of anise, kind of white flower taste, kind of uh, uh, equilibrium and also today a, a kind of balance to reduce the alcohol content because uh, the, the, the claret is ripe at the same time as the Grenache red uh, at 13% of alcohol or 125 It's ripe, very ripe. Instead, uh, comparatively, the Grenache is is ripe at 15% of alcohol, but at the same time. So when you blend them, it's a kind of natural reduction of uh, alcohol content. And it works during the winemaking process because because when they are co-fermented, they do well in terms of complexity, in terms of finesse, in, in terms of color. It's not a
0: problem. Do you find that when you have a parcel or a block that's interplanted that the ripening curve for a grape variety is different than when it's planted by itself? Does it ripen together in the interplanted block as opposed to Grenache or Mourvedre by itself?
1: No. There's no, they no ra- difference. No, they ripen the same thing. They so, wrap, well, something is different, it's when they are young. When they are very young, the, the young and interplanted vines are doing far better than 100% of new vines in another another field. Because they have the concurrence of the old one, and they they grow slowly, they grow with concurrence, uh, which is not the case in a new vineyard. In a new vineyard, they have much more strength, and they produce more grapes, more bigger grapes, than they produce uh, at the same age surrounded by all vines, surrounded by roots.
0: So when I look at the pictures of La um mm-hmm. I haven't been there, I apologize. When I look at the, the pictures, and I can't tell if I'm looking at everything or just a you know, piece of it, but it seems like the, the spacing is pretty wide. It's yeah,
1: you're right. Yeah, you're right. Don't, don't forget we are in a dry climate. We are in a place where I do not irrigate. Uh, I don't have to recall you that... Uh, for us, no irrigation means terroir. That means if you irrigate, it's not a terroir. It's a piece of land where you grow something. So no irrigation, dry climate, bush pruning, goblet pruning. It has to be, right? Yeah, it has to be by law uh, for the Grenache, for the Montverde, for the Sensou. Uh, it has to be like this. So we need room for the, for the leaves. We need room for the tractors. We need room to cross the sinks to cross in term of uh, plowing just because we do an organic growing and we we like to to, to cross and and we need room because of the the, the competition in terms of soil in term of uh, surface on the soil because of the water because the vines needs water if if they are too close together they compete so they ha- there is there's a big philosophy in our region, too, that more you have feet on a nectar, more you make quality. Honestly, I don't think it works in our region. It's good for, for Burgundy. It's good for Bordeaux. It's good for the humid regions because they have water, and they have to compete. They have to compete. It's, if there is no competition, there is no quality. But all vines compete against nature, Against sunshine, against wind, against humidity, not against vines. So that's really, that's it's another word. And when I see uh, uh, in the south of France, every vine planted every meter, uh, I'm a bit confused because a real goblet is one meter size of diameter after eight years old. It's minimum one meter of diameter after eight years old. So if you plant every one meter, that means you just give to your goblet 50 centimeters of, of development. So it's frustrating. And you don't have the don't have hair. There is no way where the mistral can can turn around, can dry your things and can can be helpful for the grapes.
0: So what about the differences between white and red in the soil? when you work with Claret, BeauBlanc, Roussan, versus working with Syrah, Cinso, Mouvedre?
1: There is no difference, not at all. The only difference we can uh, have is uh, in terms of maturity process, but in terms of maintaining against mildew, against oidium, against Cochilis, Eudemis, uh, it's the same, it's the same. But of course, maturity process is, is, is different. Rosan and Grenache Blanc arrive very early. They have a, a very early maturing. And then the Clairette and Boboulenc arrive late. So we generally pick the Rosan and the and the Grenache first. And then we wait some days to and some sometimes some weeks to pick the Clairette and the Boboulenc which are late maturing.
0: Clairette seems like somewhat of an extraordinary grape the way that it can be that low in alcohol and that high in acidity yeah, and like, yet yeah. mature late. That seems unusual. Yeah, it's incredible.
1: Yeah. Uh, I told you they arrive with the full Grenache season arrives. Uh, and that's really funny because we begin by since so we begin by the, the, the Grenache uh, Blanc, we, the Roussanne, that's really the beginning. It's one day and then we stop and another day and da-da-da. It's, it's really like... Uh, we are looking where we go, uh, checking if the maturity has really arrived. And then you have everything arriving together. That means, wow, the, all the, f- the full Grenache mature in the same time. Don't forget we are in the same terroir, we are in the same name place. Uh, it's, they all arrive in the same time. And the claret arrive at this time. And, and it's really funny. That's why it's, it's, it's nice uh, to do a co-fermentation with uh, claret and, and Grenache.
0: You prefer to do co ferments pretty much constantly? Oh, we the love, way. we love, we love to do co fermentation.
1: Of course, the pure Grenache is great. Pure Grenache is is really our, our blood. I mean, uh, when we ferment a pure 80 years old Grenache from Lacroix, it's more than a pleasure. It's something, it's, it's fantastic uh, every year. It's really the essence and 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 the, 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 the DNA of the vintage. And as soon as we have the result of this tank, and we have the signature of the
0: vintage. You think that the Grenache shows the oh, year? Of course. And the other grape varieties maybe show the grape variety?
1: <sighs> yeah. Yes, I think so. Yeah. It's a bit... It's a bit quick as a, as a comment, but I I'm convinced it's reality. Yeah, Grenache Grenache is 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 not a, a cannibal of terroir. It's really Grenache push the terroir in front of you, in front of your face. If you have a simple terroir, it will tell you you have. A, very simple terroir. I cannot make only fruit in your place. If you have a complex, historic, deep, and stony, and windy, and dry, and it's with all Grenache, it will tell you, yes, I can do sexy, elegant, and rich Grenache. That's the only way to do a, a Grenache which has this kind of personality.
0: Well, Grenache gets pretty ripe pretty quick there during the harvest season, right? I mean, it, it probably can go through different elevated sugar levels.
1: Yeah, yeah, it, it's really, really strange because the Grenache is very, uh, let's say flexible, uh, in terms of maturity, very helpful. You can trust these grapes, uh you can be naturally good. I mean, if you know what I mean, you can s- arrive from vacation a bit late and the ganache will be there waiting for you. And that's great. It's not what we do, but it's what we think. Because the ganache can be picked in over-maturation and it will be good. And if the climate permits it. But... uh it's, it's really the Grenache. The Grenache it does not support the, comment on the, the sous-maturité, the under maturity. The
0: doesn't get underripe. doesn't get... Uh, yeah,
1: it doesn't support the underripeness. The Grenache is not good when it's not ripe. But the Grenache is good when it's overripe. Of course, it's good when it's ripe. But it's good when it's also overripe and it's really strange because the ganache get to be ripe and then you taste it and it's good and you have the skin like this and the maturity is achieved and you have the good uh, level of uh, sugar and you have the pips which are ripe and you have everything but in your filling you say ah wait another one two three days because the mistral is blowing and then the the skin becomes a bit like dry by the mistral. A little shriveled. Yes, like olives, you
0: know? And maybe a little loose.
1: Yeah, and you lose juice, you lose fruit, you lose uh, liquid, and it's what we call the over-ripeness. And it's good because it brings you taste which is impossible to get in the ripe time. And it's not ripeness, it's concentration. It's, It's ripeness, but not physiologic.
0: It's a texture thing.
1: Yeah. It's a texture. You get the ripeness physiologically, and then you lose juice by the wind, by the dryness of the climate. That's more like concentration, natural concentration. And it's good, but people tend to use too much this to build uh, big wines, to build it's kind of... Uh, fruit bomb and concentrated sink which has which kind of default but we have to get to this period to be good but not to exaggerate to lose the finesse and the freshness
0: how do you handle that grenache fruit versus the earlier picked grenache fruit is there any difference with what you do with them in the winery
1: oh we don't early pick the grenache i
0: mean that was the <laughs> wrong term how do you, how do you handle that picked fruit of grenache versus the Grenache that's ripe at the normal way.
1: You're right. Sometimes we pick Grenache at normal maturity. Uh, Normal means ripe, not overripe. And generally speaking, it's uh, mainly terroirs which have lower personality or young vines or things like this. And in order to create our telegram so we have another of course we have another demand on, in our heads uh, to make this wine we, the idea is to create a wine which is representative of the appellation with good, good balance, good fruit good ganache taste but we know that Complexity we got for the View Telegraph, it's not it's impossible to get in the telegram. So
0: Which is a different bottling you make and sell for less money. Yeah. Of, yeah, yeah, of course.
1: Yeah. Of course. It's it's not for the same bottling. And that's really from the real beginning. We know exactly the vineyard in our in our domain. We own about 90 95, 96, 97 hectares in Chateauneuf-du-Pape, red and white. And we know exactly what hectare will be, is capable to be in the vieux telegraph from Lacroix or not, from the real beginning. That means when we, when we are ready to pick the grapes, we know exactly what will be the result. Sometimes we have a surprise, positive, negative. Sometimes we have to declassify a uh, tank, from your telegraph to telegram. Sometimes we are very happy with young vines, so you, you, you never know. But 90% of the time, you know exactly what, uh, what, is, what will be the result of, of the different parcels.
0: So sometimes you de-stem red fruit and sometimes you don't. And what's the decision-making there? I mean, why do you choose?
1: First of all, the, the non destemming that means uh, the fact to keep the stems in the winemaking process but crushing the grapes so the non-steaming is used with old vines. Grenache, old vines, that's it. That's the first element.
0: You keep the stems on old vines.
1: Yeah we keep the stems on old Grenache and then every year it's a challenge. Every year it's a challenge what piece of land on Lacroix will be not all distemmed. And it's, it's an analysis of every day. We are in the vineyard during the harvest, of course, and we say, okay, this, land can be, this piece of land can be distemmed or have to be distemmed because of the color of the, of the stems or this part can be great without distemming because of the color of the stems, because of a lot of things. So it's really, really a a daily decision. We cannot say this vintage, we will uh, destem 30% or not. No, it's just every day, every day, every day, every day we decide. And it could be at the end of the vintage uh, to have 30%, 20%, 10%. In 2003, we are afraid by this kind of dryness, kind of um, no rain from April to September. We are very afraid by the tannin structure. So we did 100% stemming just because we were afraid in advance by the tannins. So it's really dependent on the vintage.
0: Do you sense more of the soil type of La Corral in the parcels that are destemmed or the parcels that are not destemmed? Do you get more soil signatures either way?
1: <laughs> yeah, of course, yes. Oh, yeah. Um, I not know, that's... Um, I would like to say, yes, that's it.
0: Okay. But But,
1: but, but I can't. <laughs> I have to explain. But yes, of course, uh, when you've done this time from a place like Lacroix, like, oh, let's say 80 to 100 years, uh, Grenache, uh, it's, uh, you have your skin which moves. It's, it's something you you feel in your blood. It's, 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 uh, it's a wind in the wine, it's, it's, you feel the stones, you feel uh, the hair, you feel the kind of hairy things, lightness, you lose the color, that's a default. Uh, but there is nothing comparable, nothing comparable. And you lose the fruits, which is good. I mean, for me, for us.
0: Because you get a lot of fruit already no because
1: we don't like fruit (laughs) fruit is boring (laughs) honestly everyone can make fruit on this planet you can make fruit on this top of this building with vines it's easy make saltiness make rockiness make uh, smokiness make this kind of default which is for us quality uh it's not so easy
0: Do you feel that over the time that you've been there, since 81, that you've used more or less Mouvedre or more or less Oh, since m- so?
1: more Mouvedre. From the real beginning, uh, we have planted Mouvedre. In the 80s, we began to plant Mouvedre with my brother. And we are just enjoying now, after 30 years. Vier Telegraph, it's a bit more uh, from Mouvedre grape. A bit less Grenache still the same proportion of syrah syrah it's interesting in the south of france difficult to manage because it brings kind of heavy fruit heavy things not very fine uh, and not very elegant so we don't we don't like more than 10 15% in our blend but uh, Mouvedre is not the same. Mouvedre can be very interesting. So we, uh, we have um, this proportion of Mouvedre increasing in our wines.
0: Do you feel that there's been a learning curve there? Over the years, have you learned things about Moved that have been sort of surprising to you?
1: No. No, honestly, from the real beginning, we arrived and uh, we decided we have not enough Mouvedre. Uh it was only 10% at this time, and now we we have grown to uh somewhere around 18, 18 percent, 18, 15 to 18, it's depending on the year. So it's 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 uh we think it's far better.
0: And not much so really.
1: Uh yes, we have uh somewhere around four five percent of Senso but uh, Senso senso it's nice and so is difficult. Senso needs like the grenache be old. Um Senso it needs great soil, needs dryness, needs small yields, uh needs uh wind. It's very very sensitive to to moisture. So it's 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 difficult. It's finicky. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but, but we still have some senso, so and we, we keep some senso, so 3-4%. But it's, uh, yeah, it's difficult to manage.
0: How are the mallows? Do they tend to go long, or are they short mallows? No, short.
1: no it's easy. We don't use any sulfur during the winemaking process. It's such a small dose. When you arrive at the end of the, of the fermentation, alcoholic fermentation, we have zero. So the malolactic goes uh, easily sometimes they are a bit blocked by the alcohol content sometimes but it's quite rare it could be 15 could be 15.5 and marioleptic is, is they are very very adapted to to, to this uh, to this level of alcohol and generally speaking arriving middle of December everything is done so we can turn off the the clean, let the, the fresh air coming in the cellars and and and, and begin the, the kind of first winter interfering, which is good, which is necessary to, uh, to clean the wines naturally in the winery. Uh, if we begin by the beginning, fermentation about, let's say, 30 to 40 days, fermentation and maceration together. Then we separate the free juice from the the berries, which are fermented, of course, and they represent, and the juice, which is still at this time in the berries, represent about about 25% of the volume, the total volume, so it's important. So we press, pneumatic press, no more than 1.6 bar, and then we blend directly the fruit juice or the pressed juice with the fruit juice
0: that's For, interesting because it seems so harmonious like it
1: oh yeah wait wait honestly fruit juice by itself it's like something is lacking pressed juice by itself if like it's too rude too tannic too rustic and together it's it's much more interesting in terms of uh, analysis in terms of tasting in terms of uh, color in terms of uh, aging potential. So sometimes we have to be careful because in some press wine, we could have a residual sugar. So we have to weigh the residual sugar as finished to ferment and to Mm -hmm. be transformated. But the result is that we, we blend at the end, we blend the free juice and the press juice and we made experimentation with free juice by itself. Uh, it's never a good result. For us, it's too a lack of personality, a lack of presence. So we like to be blended. But it's possible only if the pressing is very, very careful. Because don't forget, we still have the stems. So that means we have to, to carry the grapes by hand from the tank to the press. That means it's the press rolling in front of the tank, no tube, no pump, no screw. That's our low for reception of the grapes, the fresh grapes, and at the end of fermentation, same same rule: no screw, no pump, no tube, only by hand, rolling carpet, vibration. That's uh, that's a light motive in our family.
0: That might be a big part of the finesse. You know, not pumping. And- Honestly,
1: I think so. Yeah, I think so. But, but it's, uh, you never know. That's, that's the chance of this business. You never know what does what. If it's God made the vintage, or if it's you who made the vintage. You never know that.
0: One of the other things that you do is you have a mixture of steel, foudre, uh, cement. cement, and so I feel like that texturally adds more complexity, in the fact yeah. that in different stages you're...
1: It's, it's what we think we, we don't like pure wineries we like hybrid wineries just because for example a Grenache from Lacroix 20 years old will maybe not be interesting in wooden tank maybe more interesting in stainless steel tank because stainless steel, it's known, give more tannins, more freshness, more rusticity. An old, 80 years old, Grenache from Lacroix who doesn't need anything to add tannins or, or finesse or complexity will be better in wood just because the wood Tends to, to soft the tannins, to bring this kind of complexity of tannins, of the length of the tannins, the finesse of the tannins, etc. And in wood, the maceration can be very long. In stainless steel, it's a bit more difficult to do a long, long maceration. Same thing if we go to Palier, um Which is your Gigondas Yeah, Pallier, it's our Gigondas winery. Uh, We don't have the same result. In Pallier, we have wood and cement for fermentation, uh, which is another hybridation of the vinification. We like to be hybrid uh, just because the world is not black or white.
0: So you had Old Vine Grenache in La Croix from the beginning, and then in 98, you and Kermit Lynch and your brother purchased... La Palliere in Gigondas and that has old vine Grenache so what's it been like sourcing old vine Grenache from two very different terroirs in the southern Rhône I mean what's the expression of Grenache and how does it differ
1: let's say that was a big question at the beginning and we arrive in Gigondas with our Chateau of du rules which is something but not everything that means we we thought that the Grenache needs to be vinifying like this, 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 and this. And we tried to, to apply these rules to Gigondas. But in the same time, we knew that the tannins, uh, tannin's concept is very different in Gigondas and chateauneuf of And we were a bit uh, like, a bit, a bit, it was a bit difficult to, uh, to begin. So we begin, and quickly we learn that tannins were were, were very, very difficult to manage in Gigondas. So first of all, the date of harvest in Gigondas is much more, it has to be much more precise than Chateauneuf. Chateauneuf is much more flexible in terms of uh, harvest time. You never, you never... Uh, will have dry and difficult and rude tannin in Châteauneuf. They are always soft, always uh, good, uh, good feeling. In in Gigondas they can be very rude. So Gigondas date of date of harvest is very important. Uh, non destemming in Gigondas bring very interesting things, but it has to be done very very carefully. So, the result today is we know that uh, the Grenache in Gigondas has uh, this kind of density, this kind of color, this kind of density, natural density, which is really from the soil, from the exposition, from the northwest exposure, from the altitude, which is its which is, is own character. And the Grenache, about 20 kilometers west uh from gigondas which where well, we have lacro gives this kind of overripe kind of marmalade taste kind of overripe strawberry taste which
0: is impossible to get in gigondas it's you don't impossible. get that compote taste no it tastes it's, brighter yeah. somehow even though it has a darker color
1: exactly uh much more brighter much more like cherry not much more like black sinks Uh, If we have to design a Giganache, it will be more on the black side of the picture. and Vieux Telegraph, in Chateauneuf, Garnache will be more like a lovely red, but uh, not as black. So in in terms of fruit, in terms of sensation of fruit, in terms of uh, aroma, it's black and and red. It's very different, very different. Same age. Same grape, same vinification process. We have this kind of big difference, which is from the austerity of the soil in Gigondas and the warm plateau in Châteauneuf. They don't give the same, same thing.
0: And you get like limestone off the the Dentils yeah. in the Gigondas, right?
1: Yeah, it's about three thirty percent of kind of piece of rocks coming from the the, the, the mountain, which are blend to the to the clay to the sand to all this uh, blend of uh, earth, and it's uh, yeah, it's like a kind of millefeuille of, uh, of limestone, rocks, and it's not stone, it's rocks, white. They have the same role than the stones have in Chateau du Pape. That means keep the moisture, keep this kind of uh, complexity because they are obstacles to the roots. Roots need. Obstacles to be down to be deeper, if the roots have no f- obstacles, they just go straight like in a highway, and there is there is no taste in a highway uh, so the the stones rocks makes the road more than back road, and the roots turn around and 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 takes savory take the taste on the stones and on the rocks that's that's my feeling it's not uh. Technical analysis, it's my feeling.
0: So, you make two red wine bottlings at the Gigenda property. Yeah. Racine and Terrasta Diab. And yes. One is on terraces and one is closer to the winery. How do those two terroirs differ for you?
1: As you say, it's a problem of altitude. During years, we vinify all together, we made only one wine and uh, we decided to separate in 2007 the vineyard which is around the winery uh, somewhere around 250 meters in altitude we separate it from the uh, the vineyard which is over in the altitude in the mountain from 300 to 400 and that was a decision which was made by uh, after some years of tasting, the fruit was different, the structure was different, much more fruit in altitude, much more heaviness, much more roundness, much more uh, softness and depth uh, around the house. And we say, why don't we make two wines? We say, yes, OK. And the last vintage we did together, the two last vintages, the three last vintages, we had some trouble in terms of tannins. Tannins were a bit dry, a bit Aggressive, and we we, we, we we didn't know how to to uh, uh, to integrate the tannins. It was not a problem of maturity process. It was not a problem of destemming of things. It was a big 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 challenge for us. And as soon as we have separated the two terroirs, we have had no more trouble of tannins. So it was it it's incredible. It's it's it was unexpected. Um, I think the two two terroirs competed and there was something happened in that competition, which, which was realized and which was described by the tenants. Um, we arrived from Chateauneuf-du-Pape, from Lacroix, this plateau, more you blend, more you gain in terms of complexity. Right. That was in our spirit. And we say, let's do blending. Uh, but if it's not the same origin, if it's not really the same origin, the more you blend, more you take risk. So That's the first lesson of Palier. And now we know that blending was for us natural, but it's not at all. So from 2007, we began to do this uh, two separated cuvées. We had no problem of tannins. And we met big vintages, average vintages, dry climate, wet climate since uh, 10 years now. So it's um, not 10, but 8 years. So uh, somewhere it was a great, great lesson.
0: Was there an exposition difference?
1: Um, exposition, no. All our domain is facing north and west.
0: That's kind of amazing for a red wine.
1: 100%. You
0: know what I mean? That oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah Faces north.
1: But don't forget we are in the south of France. So we can do it, and it works because we are in the south of France. Some vineyard of Palier got the sunlight around 10.30 during the harvest time. It's late to get sunshine. So that's, 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 that was for us a big deal. Uh, so we had to wait and wait and wait and wait, which is comfortable for us because we begin the harvest. Uh, we have the Vieux Telegraph white, and then we have the red uh, Vieux Telegraph, we have the Grenache, and then we go to Pielon, and then we go in Caron, Ventoux, uh, and then we've probably arrived.
0: Also, it's the latest.
1: Yeah, of course. Palia arrived at the rear hand. Rear hand. Vantu is harvested. Uh, everything is harvested when Palia arrives.
0: Did you realize when in '98 that climate change was happening when you made the purchase? Did, uh, no. Just got lucky. Yeah. I mean, because it sounds like you got lucky then, because you're facing north yeah, in, a, in an area yeah. of climate Honest- change.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. Honestly, we, we didn't, we didn't analyze, we didn't do this analyze. And, and we are very lucky just because uh, it's it's a personality of the place. It could be it could be with or without the climate change. I mean the, the personality of the of the place is to make fine wine because of the length of the maturity process, because of the uh, the soil, because of the sunlight, etc. So it's really specific. it's really a kind of microclimate.
0: So that's the only property where you make a rosé. Yeah. And there must be a reason. <laughs> there, must, you must have, there must be some logic there that that's the only place you decided to do it.
1: Yeah. First of all, it's forbidden in chateauneuf du to make rosé. But it's not the reason. The reason is, when we bought the place, we have uh, bought, of course, this uh, 25 hectares. Among them, about 10, 12% was white grape. But some of them were not great and some of them were great, really great old claret. And if you remember, we are fan of very old claret. So we cannot say, oh, yeah, just changes uh, old claret in young Grenache. So that was not our, our, our feeling. And we say, okay, we added to them to the to the Grenache and to the Grenache uh, tanks to do a co-fermentation, etc. But but it was a bit too much. And then one day uh, I say to to my partners, who are Kermit Lynch and my brother, uh, why don't we we try to make a rosé, and we can use this proportion of white, and also use the grapes which are in the mountain a bit too much in the shadow was not a big maturation process Some, every year we had a tank a red wine tank which were a bit like not the poor tank but kind of baby in the winery we didn't know if we wanted to keep it or to sell or to sell in bulk it was, every year we had this kind of Question. So I, I told to them, why don't we try to make this uh, uh, this parcels a uh, rosé, and then use a part of the of the white? And they say, well, why not? So we did an experimentation, and at the same time we experiment a very old-fashioned way to make rosé because we cannot compete against this world of rosé, which is. Uh, too technical. I don't know how to make a technical wine. Honestly, I have to, to be back on, on books or to ask to someone to help me. So it was a, it was a big question. So the, the easiest way w- were to do the, the wine by filling. And that's why we call it Petit Bonheur uh, Les Palier. That means make by filling, not made by technicals. So I went to see Daniel Ravier in, in Tampier, in Bandeau. And I asked him what was the recipe of Mr. Pierrot during the during his last vinification uh, process. And he told me, mm, nothing, just pick the grapes, vinify in wood, make the mallow, do the bottling. Boom. Why don't try this? And I say, oh, we, we can try something at the real, at the complete opposite of what they do in the rosé. Area, So, no selected yeast, only native yeast, 100% vinified in wood, no temperature control, malolactic is done, age on lease, bottled, that's it, and it works. So, and of course we make a wine which has a personality of the terroir and not of the yeast, not of the labo, it has a real personality of what we like to show. It's our terroir. And also we use now the, the vines which are in a place where the maturity was not so easy to get every year. And we use uh, 30% of, of the white to make the rosé and the other white goes into the Grenache tank to be kind of balanced for the alcohol content. That's the way we manage the white at Palier.
0: Pallier, the estate a lot of it is forested
1: Oh yeah it's about 120 hectares of forest
0: So is that very different than working in Châteauneuf-du-Pape I mean with is there an influence from the forest oh yeah, nearby A
1: lot A lot of influence in terms of neighborhood. we have no vine neighbor only wood That means uh, we are in a in a position of disease which is quite comfortable and also, we have this kind of environment of of humidity, of uh, of climate, of a lot of things. And then we have decided to to uh, use this wood to uh, build a uh, goat cheese business. That means goat cheese business. Business is not really the term I could use, <laughs> because it's just artisan things. But we have now uh, 45 uh, goats from Phoenicia, uh, which is called Rov, R-O-V-E. It's a nice goat coming from uh, the, the, the other side of the Mediterranean to Marseille and then to, to Gigondas, and we make uh, goat cheese. Uh, and to to enjoy the woods, to use the woods for creating something uh, more than Environment, something—it's a creation of product, and the goat cheese has the taste of the of the place, because of course uh, the the goats come into the wood bit, let's say half a fifty uh, percent of their time, and then it's kind of good balance. The wood brings a lot. To the wines, of course, and to the vines.
0: And you know what goes well with a good goat cheese? It's a good claret white wine from Chateauneuf-du-Pape, I bet. That's I'm, right. I'm just guessing, but... <laughs> yeah, yeah. So about that white, what's the story with that? I've only had it young. Does it, does it age particularly well? Does it go through phases? And What's the style with that?
1: Um, it's really depends on the vintages. But uh, if we take... Let's take a Grey Vintage, 2014 which is for me a great vintage in white in chateau of du just because of the finesse, richness, kind of classic, a bit sharp. The aging process is generally uh, like this. Uh, first year, after bottling, primer fruit, a bit rude, some tannins, white flower, kind of bitterness, uh, anise, Then arrive the second and the third year and the fourth year, and it's in that generally age we are selling them. A bit more complex honey taste arrive, they lose a bit their primer fruit, they get some complexity, a bit more uh, adapted for food, etc., well, that's a good period for us and it's where we uh, we sell the wine for example in New York we have the 2013 to sell today and it's enter in a very good period and then this period can can run during let's say 4 or 5 years and then it can be very very frustrating after uh, let's say arriving around the 7 6 7 8 anniversary the wine can be can fall down in a dump period very seriously. It can be uh, like uh, kind of fizzling with oily taste and kind of uh, rude and and uh, reduced snows, which is which is not very comfortable, not very uh, um,
0: a bit disturbing. It smells like gasoline, like yeah,
1: petrol. It smells like gasoline, yeah. And then this period finished after let's say, at the age of 10, 12, and then a second life arrives, and then you have this kind of freshness and finesse. Of course, the aromas are different, Uh, mainly like kind of... Yeah, They are very similar to Burgundian wine at this age, uh, in terms of aging. And at this time, they can age. They can age as well as the reds. As well, uh, not every vintage, but the great vintage of white, they age as well as uh, the red in Via in, in, in Telegraph. They can age 30 years. They can age 20, they can age 15. It's, uh, if we open today at 93, 92, 1990, I'm convinced it will be, they will be interesting.
0: Because I don't know a lot of white wines in the world that age like that. That's
1: a Yeah. Of course you have all the grey burgundies, you have Hermitage White, which age like this.
0: Oh with that curve. That yeah, up and down, yeah. you know.
1: Hermitage has this kind of curve. Uh, it's the only wine I I know it has this is this kind of curve. And of course, uh and the Riesling are a bit like this too.
0: Sure. That's true, yeah, that's very true yeah. actually. Does it have anything to do with Lees? I mean, what do you do with oh. nothing? No. Do you have much Lee's contact on the white? For of course, vita- you extended.
1: Of course, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Vinification is very simple, as I told you with the rosé. It's exactly the same. Just direct pressing, very, very light pressure, and then in wood for months or two in terms of fermentation. Starting the fermentation starts native yeast, and then uh, fermentation. No temperature control, nothing. And then we ferment uh, during a month and age on until the beginning of the winter, January, February. At this time, we do a first racking. So it comes from September to January without any, anything. Just fermentation, batonnage, on leaves. Then we, we, we separate the big leaves because we have the leaves of fermentation at this time. We have the leaves of fermentation. We separate the big lees from the wine, and then we finish the aging on fine leaves, back to, back to the woods until uh, next July. That means uh, a small year. Then we do the final general blend, and we do the bottling. So it's two rackings in its life.
0: You have Roussan in there, but it's mostly claret.
1: 45% claret.
0: Little Grenache Blanc, little... Beau Blanc
1: About 30% Grenache, and then the rest is Roussan and Bourbonque, yes.
0: So, how does Roussan differ from a grape like Claret?
1: It's uh, day and night. You have the Claret, which brings freshness, and its taste brings kind of uh, gentleness, kind of uh, teal uh, taste, white flowers, kind of uh, life in the wine, but the lack of richness, a lack of roundness, a lack of potential. And the Grenache and the roussanne bring the honetes, the richness, kind of velvety, kind of fatness, in a good sense, kind of basement of the wine. But a lack of freshness, a lack of finesse, a lack of things. And when you put them together, it, it brings you the balance. And I think it was so well ordinated from the beginning. When they created the appellation in 1936 or 1929, in, in between, they have decided to, to keep these different grapes together, like, uh, like you have different tools, in your garage to make the wine. You have different grapes and you can you can have the freshness from the claret, the freshness, and this kind of uh, gentleness from the bourboling. You can have the richness from the grenache and you can have this kind of heaviness, this kind of real velvety from, from the roussane. And then you manage in front uh, uh, thinking in your palate, thinking in your terroir, in harmony of what you have in mind and what you what you are capable to do, because every terroir cannot ripe every every grape. And then you, you make what you have in mind, and that's great. That was a very, very intelligent at this age, to let to the wine growers the possibility to do 100% claret, or 100% russain. That's uh, and of course made a blend. But no rules in terms of proportion, we, we we made an experimentation one day. Uh, that was 2002, uh, a pure Roussin. Uh It's an experimentation. We have a, a cuve, it's called Hippolyte, and this Hippolyte is never sold. It's just for tasting and for experimentation. So in 2002, which was a very difficult, um, very difficult vintage in terms of red, we have made two experimentation. We have made a claret hundred percent and Rusan, hundred percent
0: that sounds kind of fascinating to me I mean to see them yeah you know I know come you said it's a palette and you get to try a lot of different things come, and it's different come. tools but to see them, that that's yeah, yeah, so yeah. starkly different must yeah, be very yeah. interesting
1: come to see us and I will show you uh, uh, and now we have 15 years old uh, or 14 years old clear and russan pure in the bottle uh, in the bottle and honestly they are great both of them are great uh, I prefer the claret. I prefer the claret. But it's, uh, it's, it's, it can work by themselves. But honestly, to, to reach the, the, the balance, to reach something, let's say, in this old school of chateauneuf de white it's, I think, a necessity to blend different grapes. If you want to make something a bit like a specific wine, a bit like a special cuve, a bit like something, but not in the old school of Chateauneuf. Old school of Chateauneuf for me it's fresh, balanced, mineral, flowery. You can use for for food, of course, for everything. You can you can drink it with chicken, with rabbits, with with lobsters with asparagus, with tomatoes gazpacho olive oil white Chateauneuf in an old school way is really a friend of food it's much more easy to pair than a red Chateauneuf
0: so when you made those single varietal whites the Roussan and the Claret did they and now it's 14 years old in bottle did they go through the same aging curve as Uh, the
1: Roussan age a bit quickly Roussan uh, has not the same freshness today as uh, the claret. But it, uh, it's from uh, Lacroix. It's an experience which is true only for us.
0: But did the claret do that thing where it goes down and then comes back no. up? No. Okay. That
1: was strange.
0: Okay. That's why I'm That's a really good question. interested question. it. No. You know what I mean?
1: No, we, we, we didn't have uh, uh, this kind of gazole taste with the claret. No more with the, the Roussanne.
0: Interesting. I mean, that's really interesting. Yeah, that's
1: a good question. I mean, uh, it's, it's, and I have the question in my head now as you, as you, as you send me the question. No, we, we didn't have this kind of dumb period. Yeah, it could be, it's interesting. I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm in talk. I'm questioning myself. uh, uh, But uh, it it could be, it could be a kind of, uh, uh, a kind of, uh, let's say, adaptation between all the grapes, kind of mariage, consuming of the mariage after some years of the different grapes which make this happen.
0: O two 2 was a cold year, right? O two, 2 Yeah.
1: Was was a specific year. Yeah. A lot of rain, right? A lot of rain, yes.
0: Because I wonder in a warm year if it might be different. You know, if you did that in O3 with the separate... You you're know. right,
1: you're right. But O two 2 before rains... We picked the grapes, white grapes, before the rains. It was very uh, very strange because we picked the, the, the white grapes and then it rains and then uh, everything changed because we got 400 millimeters in 24 hours. So it's like uh, two-thirds of, uh, of uh, the rain from a full year so in, in 24 hours, so it's changed dramatically the things yes uh but, but when we picked the white grapes, it was not the same uh, feeling um, arriving to this date uh, it was a normal classic vintage, so we can we can say they are from a normal classic vintage
0: so talk about a big change and a big departure. You also started working in Lebanon in the Becca, mm. and what was that like? I mean that's a very different elevation, yeah, and some different grape varieties, although some are the same,
1: yeah, of course, some are the same uh we we have it imported with us, uh, of course, our love and our passion for Rhone wine, wines, Rhone grapes. And of course, the climate over there is really adapted to Rhone grapes. It's one of the best places of the world for the Censo. The Censo has a result in Lebanon, like rarely uh, everywhere. It's, it's really, uh, I mean, uh, Uh, The most, the better senso I taste in my life was was in Lebanon. Pure senso. Yes, uh, it's an adventure that began in 1998 when I met with a gentleman called uh, Sammy Rosen. Uh, He came to to Vieux Telegraph and uh, was just like this, looking for partners to begin a, a winery, to build a winery, to begin a wine business. In Becca Valley, his family owned a small vineyard in the center of Becca. It took for us some weeks to decide, and we said, why not? It's an adventure, human adventure. The guy became quickly a friend of us uh, with his brother Ramsey, and we decided to join the adventure with two uh, people, two guys from Bordeaux. Uh, Dominique Ebrard and uh, Hubert de Bois and we began and and it's still a good uh, a great human adventure so Hubert left now we are uh, only uh, Dominique the Ross and brothers and my brother and I and it's it's a great adventure of course we are not in the same climate not the same altitude the vines the lowest vine we have is 900 meters above the sea level But we are south, and it's because of this altitude that the the balance can be joined, can be reached. So uh, from 900 meters to 1,100 meters above the sea level, we have our vineyards. Uh, It took a while to decide where to
0: go in the valley because
1: the valley is big. The valley is easy to grow.
0: You didn't have a vineyard when you started the project uh
1: f- no, not really. We bought a lot of grapes during years and years in different parts of the valley just to just to see what happened and then we began to plant vines it It took some years because it, we have an experiment per year so we uh, have decided after after years to developer vineyard in the east, northeast of Beka on the Piedmont of Mont-Liban and Antiliban, the two sides of the Beka, close to Syria, which is not the easiest place to grow actually because of the political environment. It's a specific country to work, it's very specific, you have to manage with this kind of things but uh it's possible i mean it's not it's not a problem you can do it and etc so we we now we have we know what we want to grow we know exactly the soil we want to grow that's was decided let's say about 10 years ago and now finally the grapes from this place is arrived so it's 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 always a new start so it's a uh, uh, 98, it's 15 or things like this or uh, yeah, a bit more than 15 years adventure and we can say today it's a new, a new start because we know exactly where we go, because we know exactly what we can do, what kind of uh, complexity we can achieve what kind of minerality, what kind of saltiness we can get from the soil, uh, what kind of wine we can, we can make. So we are, as I told you, in a kind of new start, new life since five, six years. And in the meantime, we have decided to build a new winery. So the first winery where we do mainly the reds are uh, in the center of Beka, And now we are in a process to achieve, it's really really finished uh, since some months, Uh, a new winery in uh, Mount Lebanon at 1,700 meters above the sea level, where we have the winery dedicated for the white wine, dedicated to restaurant business, to tasting, to uh to this kind of social thing we need uh, in Lebanon to teach the people to to bring this kind of spirit of wine and we decided to to build this winery because it's an environment which is great um centre of Beka is nice, but it's not so easy to live, and with all the things happen in the last uh, year and a half is quite difficult to uh, to to continue to to live there so we have we make the wine in in, in that winery but our activity social reception uh, is made in in Mount Lebanon which is great it's it gives us another picture it give us another face in uh, of our Front of the, the, the wine word. So it's, uh, it's good. It's another adventure.
0: After several decades at View Telegraph, Daniel Brunier is still looking for new adventures and fresh starts, even if they're quite difficult. Thank you very much for being here today.
1: Thank you very much for interviewing.
0: Daniel Brunier of View Telegraph, Les Paliers, and Messiah in Lebanon. All Drink to That is hosted and produced by myself, Levy Dalton. Aaron Scala has contributed original pieces. Editorial assistance has been provided by Bill Kimsey. The show music was performed and composed by Rob Moose and Thomas Bartlett. Show artwork by Alicia Tenoyan. T-shirts, sweatshirts, coffee mugs, and so much more, including show stickers, notebooks, and even gift wrap are available for sale if you check the show website, alldrinktothatpod.com. That's I-L-L-drinktothatpod.com, which is the same place you'd go to sign up for our email list or to make one of the